We are in a series called Activate, Church Activate is all about Acts, and we're coming to the end of Acts, and today we're going to be talking about Acts 22. 22 is, like I say, almost the end um, of uh, Acts, and what we're going to be sharing today is something very special. Um, Before we get to Acts 22, I need to tell you something about Acts 21. And what it is, is towards the end of Acts 21, which is the end of the third mission trip of Paul. So Paul did uh, three large mission trips, and then he comes to the end. And this is what is happening while he's coming back to Jerusalem. Like everybody's telling him, don't go to Jerusalem because there's going to be persecution. They're going to they're hit you. They're gonna, a prophet came up to him and said, uh, the owner of this belt is going to be put in jail. And then he's going to have great suffering. And the owner of that belt was Paul. And he continued, um, led by the Spirit, to go to Jerusalem. So this is what is happening as he finishes the, the, the third mission trip. And then once he gets there to Jerusalem, towards the end of Acts 21, It happened exactly as everybody was telling Paul. He was, um, all the apostles were concerned. Everybody was just stayed, uh, maybe go to another place or don't show up to the temple. And he went about his business. And towards the end, he was doing some uh, cleansing. And then towards the end, somebody went to the temple and spotted and recognized him. And then what happened is, he start, it says the whole town, everybody on the temple start to get in very agitated. And uh, the, the person starts telling, this is the one that is going against the, the religion of the, of the Jews. So everybody was really mad. Even worse, it says that he then told the whole city, and then the whole city started running up to the temple to catch up with Paul. So just imagine that. <laughs> Imagine uh, Paul is, is in the temple, um, he's, he's coming back, and he's great, he knows that some things might happen, so he's already a little bit scared inside, but then when everybody starts coming up, I, I just can imagine that picture of how terrifying it could have been. Then everybody starts to, to just go around him and maybe start pushing him around, and then he starts you know, saying all these things to him. And then all of a sudden, the whole city of Jerusalem is in that place, and they start uh, not killing him, but uh, kicking him and uh, punching him and doing all these things. It even says that they took him, grabbed him out of the temple to the outside, and it was a great revolt. So great that when the Romans uh, were in that place and you know, started noticing what happened, one of the generals, he took, he says that a lot of soldiers to be able to control what everything that happened. So um, it was, it was a, a great, great thing uh, that we were able to see. And what Paul, Paul does after that makes Because the soldiers get to the scene, they grab him and take him to jail. But just before entering the jail, that's when he says, will you give me just a few minutes so I can talk to my, to my uh, people? 
And that's where Acts 22 starts. Acts 22 is actually the defense of Paul trying to tell everybody that was trying to kill him at one point. He was trying to defend himself and trying to explain everything that God was doing. And if I was Paul, remember, he's one of the persons that um, was brought up in, in two religion, let's put it that way. And he was very not, uh, he had a lot of knowledge, basically. He knew how to talk to these people. So maybe if I was him, I will probably talk about everything about having to do with the religion and how Jesus will fit in everything that was happening. But you know what Paul said? At that moment, when he was running away for his life, basically, when everybody was trying to kill him, the thing that he said, he didn't say any religion stuff, he didn't do a sermon, he didn't do a teaching, he didn't do anything like that. He said his testimony. And keep in mind, this is the end of the third mission trip for Paul. So he had a lot of experience along the way on how to talk to people. Like, by the time he was already an expert, it's, it, you know, even more, he says that during those mission trips, even the Jews were all the, try, all the time trying to kill him. So he knew how to handle those situations. And at the end of the trip, at the end of almost his life, the way that he chooses to defend his faith was the testimony. The testimony of his life. Doesn't that tell you something very important about the importance of our testimony? That there is a person that is very capable. He can say whatever he wants. He has all the experience. He, ha he has gone through everything. And what he chooses to say is his testimony. So Acts 22 is all about his testimony. And what I want to get out of this is to be able to activate you so you can learn how to share your testimony. We're going to be looking at everything that he's sharing, and we're going to be looking at uh, things. And let me just be clear, this is not the only way. This is just a way that you can do it, and we, we can base it off, off of this. But it's very helpful to see how he did it and how it can help us just to be able to share our testimony. Now, before we go into, um, into the text, and I promise we're going to get to there in a second, but I couldn't pass the opportunity. <laughs> and I need to share my testimony with you guys. So every time I come here, to, I'm blessed to be here to, just to share the Word of God. You always get to know a little bit about me. Because I believe that what God has done in my life is very relatable. So to me, it's not about religion. To me, it's about the relationship that I have with God and everything that he has done in my life and how now I'm able to apply everything that, you know, the transformation that he has made. But everything started with my testimony. So today, I want to share with you something about my red BMW convertible. <laughs> my red BMW convertible. And for those of you that are wondering, yes, that's me on the picture. 
It's just that back then, when I had this car, I had a longer hair. I had a ponytail. Uh, <laughs> so that's why it looks a little bit different. The, the, the years uh, don't come alone. <laughs> um, anyways, let me tell you about this car because it's, it's part of who I am and, and part of my life. The first time that I have a, a, an existential crisis was when I was about 10 years old. I was born in Colombia, and um, you know, somebody asked me what I wanted to do with my life, and I had no idea. So they say, well, you need to start preparing. You need to start, start doing something about it. Um, you know, start thinking, what is your passion? And then, um, then something that was very, at that moment, personal to me, let's put it that way, is I used to watch and love uh, the series on television in Colombia that were here from the United States. Like, for example, I love to watch The A-Team. Remember that one? Yes? I love that one. MacIver, you remember that? Wow, you're getting old, too. <laughs> um, and, and all these series from, from the United States in Colombia, and to me, that was like, you know, I, I want, without even knowing, I want to be in the United States. But more than that is, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know that I made, I made it whenever I have a red BMW convertible because in all these series, the main character or the handsome character or the one that has everything always had a red BMW convertible. So I'm like, wow, I mean, I know I'm going to go there someday and then I'm going to make it. And then once I, I, I know that I made it, it's just because I'm going to be able to drive a red BMW convertible. So, um, so that's what happened. And then people, you know, I, I shared that with my family. I come from a family that, uh, from my mother's side, um, it was a, a family that it was very, like people knew who that family was because my great-grandfather was the first person that flew a plane in Colombia. He actually funded or uh, started the Air Force in Colombia. Um, the, the, one of the airports, one of the major airports in Colombia is, is named after my great-grandfather. So, so people knew about, about my family, and then whenever I was with that family, uh, they, they told me, you're going to be the next Camilo Daza. That's the name of, of my uh, great-grandfather. And, um, and, you know, I didn't know what to do. So when it came time, I was about 17 years old, and what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go um, to, the to the United States to study to be a pilot. So um, I'm going to become the next great Camilo Daza. <laughs> and that's why I came here. Um, so I came here to, to study, and I was able to do some, um, some learning. I hated it to be able to fly, so it wasn't that for me. I mean, I did like about 50 hours flying, but I never landed the plane. So, you know, at one point, the instructor said, are you sure you want to do this? Because I don't think you want to. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm just wasting money. It was very expensive. I'm just wasting money. So anyways, 
it was it was the the boom uh, season of uh, you know Silicon Valley and all that. I got into a company uh, to be able to afford paying all those classes, and I, you know I started doing really well. And by the grace of God, I did really well in that company. Uh, that company grew for about almost more than a thousand people in three different countries, and I I became the VP of that company. Um, so. I was making very good money, <laughs> and one day I was with my family, and we were going uh, on San Carlos, uh, all those dealerships, and guess what I saw? <laughs> everything was going really well for me, uh, money-wise and everything. I had a beautiful wife, I had two kids, and my life was really good, and when I saw that car... I need to get it. Like, I, you know, I'm at a stage of life that I think I have made it. So I purchased that car. It was very funny because I went into the dealership. It's the first time me going into a dealership buying a car. Um, so I went into a dealership. I didn't know how everything was supposed to be playing and everything. And I said, I want that car. And, and they, you know, did the test drive. I went to the table. Let's come and let's negotiate. And they say, well... This is going to be the price. This is going to be the monthly payments. This is going to be the interest. And of course, they always start very high, right? Uh, so you can start negotiating. Well, I say, yeah, great, let's do it. And, and then the guys <laughs> were surprised and say, what? Um, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I want to purchase this car. Let's do it. And I purchased the car, and you know, the guy felt so bad that he told me, he spoke Spanish, he told me in Spanish, you know what, just tell me that you want lower interest and a lower payment, and then I'll help you out a little bit. <laughs> uh, so, I, so I say that in English, and then he went to the boss, and he got me a better deal. But, so, <laughs> but I was ready to get it. I was ready to, and, and I got it my first trip. Um, I took my kids. Um, they were about, I don't know, probably eight and six years old or something like that, I took them to Santa Cruz. And I remember putting, you know, the, just make it the convertible. And, um, you know, I had the long hair, so my hair was, you know, flowing in the air. And I was driving the car. And I say, I made it. I made it. I was so happy. I was, I mean, it, for me, it was very, very happy at that time. Until I got the first bill for that month, <laughs> and I had to pay that, and until I had to do an oil change, and I had to, you know, you couldn't go to any Yiffy Louvre, or you couldn't go to any place, you had to go to a special mechanic that knew how to change the oil on those cars, and of course, it was like 10 times more the price, um, you know, and, and, and as the, you know, a couple of months went by, and it was very beautiful on the outside, but in the inside was very uncomfortable. Like, um, I got the leather seat, so during, during the summer it got really hot. You couldn't sit on that car. During the, the cold days, it was, you know, it was always raining, and then the water was seeping through, and the, the, the leather seats was also really cold. So, you know, I, I, like, on the outside, I... Everybody was saying, wow, what a beautiful car. But the, on, on the inside, I was devastated. Like, 
this is not what I was hoping for. I was hoping to be up here, and I, I really feel really bad with this. And some, sometimes somebody uh, took a knife and, and, you know, broke into the, the top portion of the car, and I had to replace it, and to replace it, it, it almost cost me the same thing that the car, and it was, it was just, so I was miserable <laughs> with that car, just to let you know. But then something happened. Um, I, I was coming back from work, and I was driving that car, and then I was going home, and the arrangement was my wife will pick up the kids, and then uh, we will all meet at the house. They were going to uh, preschool and all that. So anyways, um, I'm going on the car, and then in the distance, I start say, seeing a lot of smoke. Like, there was a huge fire. So at the time, I called my wife, and I say, you know what? Um, you go and pick up the kids, um, and I'm going to go and check it out, because there is a huge fire in San Jose, and I want to see if I can get close to it. I'm a little bit noisy, so, noisy, so uh, I, just, I just wanted to go and see it. And then I, I continued driving, and the more that I drove, I noticed that that fire was really close to my house. I used to live really close to Winchester Mystery House, you know, at the other side of the freeway. Uh, 6280, I think is what it is. Um, so, and I don't know if you remember, but like about 20 years ago, or a little bit less, there was a huge fire where Santana Row, when it was being built, it got burned at that time. Well... I was driving, and I, you know, instead of being curious, I started to be really concerned because it was really close to my house. Um, so when, when I got like a few blocks from my house, I noticed that the fire was across the freeway. So I say, okay, I'm okay, but I'm going to go to the house right now to see if everything is fine. When I go to my house, it was an apartment complex, the first thing that I saw, because we lived in the same complex, uh, I had one apartment and uh, my father had another apartment. I saw my father in the roof with a hose. And what happened is uh, the fire was so big that it created its own wind. Let's put it that way. And what it did is the embers from that fire flew across the freeway and started to land in the roof of my apartment complex. And then, you know, when I saw that and I saw my father in the roof trying to, to because it was a really old roof, uh, you know, it was wood, but it was really old. He was trying to put all this fire um, down. And then uh, I just say, are you okay? And he was okay. I went to the building next to him there was nobody on that roof, so as soon as I started walking to go to my, my apartment, I noticed that the roof was already ready on fire. And then um, I got really concerned because it looked like a movie, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going down the, the corridor and I can see on one end and one end, you know, the fire flames in the roof and everything is starting to burn. I'm like okay, I need to go to my apartment really quick, trying to get out as much as I can, because um, all this is going to burn down. So I went running to my apartment. It was the last one on the complex, so I ran down, and then I got inside, and what do I do? And the first thing that I remember is, 
Well, everybody says that whenever you're in a fire, you need to grab your papers. So I went, I had like a special file box, and um, I went to that box, grabbed the box, and as soon as I grabbed the box, a fireman, um, a firefighter, came to the door and said, this is a, an order to evacuate, you need to get out. So I say, okay, I'm, I'm going out. And then he left, and I took my box, and I started to go out. And I said, I would never forgive myself if I go out this apartment, everything burns down, and I'm leaving with one empty hand because I only had the box. So what I did is I run upstairs really quick. What else could I take? And then on my mind, every, you know, everything is racing 1,000 miles per hour. So I say, well, I need to find something of value because if, if this goes down in a fire, then I need some money to, to live. And then, you know, what I did is I went to the closet and there was a jewelry chest. Um, so I went to the closet, opened the closet, and then I saw the box and I said, great, I'm going to grab this. And as soon as I was going to grab it, another person came to the door and said, this is an, an evacuation order. You need to leave immediately. Uh, and I said, okay, I'm coming down, I'm coming down. And then when I was going to grab that, that's when I first heard God speaking to me. I grew up in Colombia. I grew up in a Catholic school. I went to church every single day. We had mass every single week. And I was very good, and I memorized everything that the Father will say in the mass, but I never knew God. Until that moment. Next to that box, there was a Bible. A Bible that I never opened except for the first page. It's a Bible that my grandmother gave me. And it had a very nice message from my grandmother. My grandmother lives in North Carolina. So he said, you know, he said something very nice, something personal to me. And it was very special. I kept that Bible for years, uh, but I never opened it. And when I was going to grab that box, I heard God said, you have the wrong priorities in your life. You always are pursuing the financial stability where the most important thing is the spiritual side. And to me, it was like a decision. Do I grab the box, or do I grab the Bible? Well, unfortunately, I grabbed the box. I put the Bible to the side, and that's the first time that I prayed to God. And I said, God, if something happens in this fire, please allow this Bible to be saved. And I put it to the side on one corner. I grabbed the jewelry, and I run. I got out of the house we were in a special place, and um, uh, the, the next day, um, you know, is when, when they finally let us in, into the apartments because, and it was very special because they wouldn't let anybody else uh, come in. Um, but just to make the story short, I mean, everything was burned. When, when that night, I, somebody, a friend of us, asked us to spend the night with them. They knew about what was going on. And that night is when it hit me. 
because I went to bed and I went to a restroom to brush my teeth and I didn't have a, a toothbrush to do it. I didn't have something to put, you know, to, for, for the night. Um, so I realized I lost everything. I lost everything. Everything that I was driving for in my life, I lost everything. And those words from God kept, kept coming to my, to my head. The next day, it was huge news in San Jose. So the next day, there was a, um, a Univision. It's like a news channel, uh, Hispanic. And there was a reporter that wanted to talk to me because I wa- I'm from Colombia. That reporter was from Colombia. And, you know, he, wa- he knew that somebody from Colombia was affected, so he started looking for me. He found me on the Red Cross uh, in a school uh, next to the fire. And then, um, you know, he wanted to do like a, like a news note. And I said, yeah, go ahead. And I start, you know, talking and explaining everything that happened. And then once we finished with the interview, he said the following. He said, Andres, I cannot imagine what you're going through. But I just need to say something that God is telling me to tell you. You're following the financial stuff, and you should follow the spiritual stuff. When he told me that, like, you know, everything, I'm like, what is going on over here? There is something going on over here. And I knew it was God. It was God behind all that. You know who that reporter was? He's a pastor of this church, Angel, Pastor Angel. He is the one that then invited me to a CG. And then after a CG, I accepted Christ with my whole family. And my entire life changed. I had some plans. God had something different for my life. And as I become into, uh, as I get more in his presence, and as, as I know him more and more every time, it's like, Every single day, he's more essential to my life, to the point that I don't care anymore about any financial stuff. My wife sometimes gets worried. (laughs) Um, But to me, that's like 10 times below the floor. Like, to me, the most important thing is to be in the presence of God, obey God, and just continue to cherish the relationship that I have with him. My life has been transformed. And what he has been able to do in my life, a person that the only thing that wanted on his life was money, to be able to escalate in the, in the company and be, you know, let's say, powerful in a way, uh, to be able to have control of everything. God showed me that you can have everything, but just in an instant, you can lose everything as well. But when you are with God, even if you don't have anything, you have everything. And that's what I've been able to live, experience in my own life. And my life, like I said, changed forever to a point that I, I told my, my God, I don't want to continue to even be working. I want to, to dedicate my life in ministry. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And that's how amazing God has been. And that's how amazing God is with all of us. 
So for me, and, and let me tell you this, my story is a very dramatic story, but it's a real story. I, sometimes I tell Angel, we should make a movie. He's a movie director now. He doesn't work in Univision. But I tell him, we should make a movie of everything because it was like unreal, everything that happened. That's how good God is and how good, good God can be in your life. So with that, let's talk about Acts 22 because the purpose of me sharing is just not so you can uh, get to knowledge, some knowledge about uh, me and who I am. Uh, yes, that's part of it, but it's just to be able to tell you how I can tell that story so you can do the same thing and you can start preparing to share the story because this is what God has promised and this is what God has used in my life so much. Time after time, my testimony has been something that has brought people to God's grace and goodness. But I didn't start sharing my testimony until I was, you know, maybe, uh, you know, five years after being a Christian. And it has made a huge difference to be able not to convince a guy that God is who he is, but just to be able to share who for me God is. When Jesus healed someone, they came to him and asked him, who did this to you? Who is Jesus? And then he said, I don't know who Jesus is, but what I can tell you is that before I wasn't able to see, and now I see. And that's, that's what I've been able to tell all these years to the, all these people. Like, you need to get to know Jesus. Because the, the things that I can tell you about the Bible... We can debate, we can, you know, do a lot of things, but it's not going to do any good for you right now. You need to be able to experience Jesus. Just like, like myself, I wasn't going to church every single day, but I never experienced Jesus until that day. So how important for us is to be able to share our testimony. And um, we're going to read uh, through Acts 22. So if you have your Bible, I ask you to please bring it out. And um, if you don't have one, there is one in front of you. And we're going to start with verse 1. I'm going to show you the road on how to share your testimony. And then number 1, it says, have a heart-to-heart conversation. Now, what I mean by that is speak from the heart, not, not to be able to have a heart-to-heart conversation that is it's like a coming-to-Jesus moment. It's, it's more like a speak from your heart to the heart of the other person. Look, look what it says. It says, uh, verse 1, brothers and fathers. Look how it started. He started saying, you are like my family. Brothers and families, I'm one of you. So what I'm about to tell you is not theology. It's not something that you need to know. Let me tell you, let me share from, your, from my heart. Hear the defense that I have now, um, that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, then they became even more quiet. And he said, so what he's doing right now is 
to the Romans, he spoke in, um, in Greek. But to the people, he started to share in his own language. Because sometimes I see people that are trying to share their testimony, and there is like a transformation. Like their voices start getting very serious, and they say, God, and, and you know, repent, and all this. And just do it from your heart. Is you speaking to them to their heart. Do it in a way that they can understand, that they can relate to you. Brothers and fathers, like you are part of the family. I'm telling you this because I want to share something that happened to, you, to me, but not just to tell you because I want the same thing to happen to you guys. That's the heart that Paul has at that moment. Imagine that he was just beaten. He was dragged out of the city. Like, you know, the whole city was trying to kill him. Literally, they were trying to kill him. He was probably on the floor. And you know that one thing that Paul was thinking while all that was happening is, how can I share Jesus to them? He wasn't like, why are you doing this to me? He knew it was going to happen. He wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get you back. His heart was, how can I share Jesus with you? And at the first time that he has, before he goes into the jail, he tells the Roman soldier, he says, please allow me to share this with my people. That's the heart that he has, and that's how we should start sharing, just with our own heart. Verses 1 and 2. Now, number two, notice this. It says, describe your life before Christ. Verses 3 to 5. And it says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the uh, strict manner of the law of the fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death. So the, just so you know, that's how they called the Christian or the Christian church at that time, the way, that way. So I persecuted them to the death, binding them and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of the elders can bear me witness. From then, I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those alone who were there and bring them in bounds to Jerusalem to be punished. So basically, what he's sharing is how his life was before he had an encounter with Jesus. He was telling them, you know, this is, this is how I was. I was like one of you. I was, my goals were the same things that you were uh, looking for. Uh, so he was being relate, I mean, relating with those people. And, you know, there is a lot of things that we can relate to people. And with this, let me tell you the following. Once you have your main testimony, and one of the action items for this week uh, in the CG notes is for you to get out your journal and write your testimony. Because one thing is to have it here, the other thing is to write it down. 
There is something magical that happens. But once you have the structure, uh, you are not, remember, you're sharing from the heart. So you don't have to share it exactly the same. The details are important, but depending on who you're talking to, adjust your testimony. Sometimes you might have 15 minutes to share. Sometimes you only have five minutes to share. So get the key points to be able to share that. Um, sometimes I can relate to the Hispanic culture, so I can do it in a way that I know, you know, the, the things that they wanted as they came here to the United States, the things that they were looking for. Um, but maybe for other people that were born here, maybe there is a different thing. So you can adjust it a little bit, just um, pretending, I mean, just um, keeping in mind who you're talking to. So he's describing his life before Christ. And then, number three, he says, share your personal encounter with Christ, verses 6 through 10. So look what happened with Paul. He says, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, who you am persecuted. Now those who were with me um, saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. So basically what he's doing is he's telling, remember, he's talking to the Jews. He's telling what happened to him. He said, this is what I was before this, this uh, road to Damascus. Uh, I was following and I was doing the same things that you're doing. And then one, way, one day I was going to Damascus and then something incredible happened. And this is what happened to me. And I was able to hear God talk to my heart. And I was able to, um, you know, some some amazing things that happened during that that time. And like I told you, the things that happened in my story, you you probably say, well, you know, I never had something like that. Mine is way simpler. But you know what? Those are the things that maybe God wants you to tell to other people. Because my story might be, you know, like a wow, but it might not relate to other people because other people didn't go through that. So if if your story is different, share, continue to share that story because you can relate that story to maybe another person that is not going to a dramatic event like I did. So continue to do that, but continue to share that moment where... For the first time, you experience Jesus or God in your, in your life. Like I told you, I knew of God before, but it was way different when I experienced God in my own life. You know about the beauty about sharing your testimony? is that nobody can refute it because you lived it. <laughs> Nobody can say, well, that wasn't true. No, it was true because I know I went through it. So 
you know, people sometimes say, how can I share? Because if I share, people are going to start asking me questions. And what I'm going to say, how I'm going to respond. Well, in this case, you only have to share what you, what you experience. And then if there is more after that, don't worry about that. Because God is going to tell you what to do when that place comes. So just, just be willing to be able to share your testimony and to be an, an impact to other people. Um, number four, I'm going, I'm going through this a little bit quicker, but um, um, just, just to give you like an overall idea, because the, this message is not going to be completed until you do your testimony. <laughs> so, so I'm just giving you some guidelines, but the real message is going to come from you guys once you start writing your testimony. So number four, Tell the wonders, the miracles you experience um, in that encounter. Verses 11 through 15. Look, look everything that, um, that Paul went through. He says, And since I could not see because the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. So he was blind, basically, Paul, he says. And one Ananias... Uh, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointing you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of you, uh, everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So imagine that. Imagine, imagine the life of Paul. It was completely changed on that instant. So much that everything that he believed so, he did a 180 turn and completely going the other direction. And he was blind, but then when, when Ananias came to him, God allowed him to see. So I was blind, and now I see. And, and just, just to be able to share that experience with someone, just, just to be able for me personally just to share what, you know, the encounter with Jesus really is all about and how he changed my life forever and all the miracles that he did that day because I still, I mean, there is no way, unless God is involved in that, in that there is no way that another Colombian comes to me trying to do an interview and the same words, exactly, word by word, that he told me when I was about to grab that Bible or that uh, chest, um, he spoke to me, you know, a couple of days later in an interview. So I knew it was God. For me, there was no doubt. And, and that's what I tell people, that sometimes we think that God is so big that he doesn't care about us, but he is in the details and that's why that detail is so important to me, because there is no other way that I can explain it unless it was God behind it. 
And I know God did the same with you guys. Um, Number five, it says, explain why you made the decision to follow Jesus. This is only one verse, but it's very important in your testimony as you're writing it. Verse 16, it says, and now what do you wait? And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So basically, Paul, at that instance, after leaving everything that he did, he took a decision to follow Jesus. Because again, you are not giving this to do information. You are telling this, and part of the, 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 the story that you're telling is, I was this way. I had an encounter with Jesus, and I took a decision to follow him. That decision for me was in a community group with uh, Pastor Angel and also uh, Pastor Herman Agudelo. He comes to the third service. Um, and at that house, is at, uh, you know, in that CG group, is that when we accepted Jesus and decided to follow this. And I, I, I remember like it was yesterday because I even told my wife, are you sure you want to do this? Because if we do it, we're going to be 100% in. And she said, yes, I want to do this. I want to live a different life. And from that, our life was completely changed. So Paul made a decision. And you should also tell, um, be explicit on, you know, saying that you made the decision to follow him. And last one, number six, is... Describe how your life changed after you made that decision. Verses 17 to 21. It says, When I had returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I say, Lord, they themselves know that I am um, in one synagogue after another one, and I promise and be those who believe in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shared, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And I want to end with this. Jesus, just before leaving, just before leaving, he said he gave us a mission. But that mission is not only to the church, capital C, the big church. It's to you and me, the church. That mission is to be able to go where, where people don't know Jesus yet and to be able to share everything that he has done in your life. So the command from here is we need to get involved. We are in a place that we're too comfortable nowadays in our own lives. When Jesus, um, I mean, if he made a difference in your life, why wouldn't you want that for somebody else? I know a lot of people but I probably don't know the people that you, do, that you know. And that's where God wants to use you, to be able to share your testimony. 
I just, I just want to end with this. To activate, always be on the lookout and then be brave and participate. To activate, always be on the lookout and then be brave and participate. The things that I've been able to experience when I'm sharing my testimony to other people, it could be a group or it could be just one person. The things that God has been able to do in that person has been amazing. And just to be able to be part of that story for that person is something that it brings joy. I say that, uh, I don't know if you know the five love languages. It says that uh, you have different languages of love and you have like a tank. And depending on, on the language that you have, you're like filling the tank of your spouse or she's filling the tank of yourself. And to me, to be able to see what God is doing in other people is how God fills my tank. How, how I get joy of everything that I'm able to do by his grace. And I know it's not me. I know that I went through some hard things because, like I told you, I lost everything. Um, after that, I sold my red BMW convertible and decided to follow Jesus since then. And after that, my life has changed forever. And I'm telling you, once you start to participate in what God is doing right now, right here in this place, you'll be able to feel the same joy and he'll be able to fill your tank as well. So the, the homework, sorry to leave you homework. I used to hate homework when I was a kid. But your homework this week is to sit down for a few minutes, write your testimony using these points. Start writing your testimonies and then be amazed how God is going to start using you for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for how good you have been. Thank you for how good you are right now. And I thank you for how good you're going to be with all of us. I just want to pray in this moment for every single person that is here with us and that is also listening to this message. So you can give them the strength so that they can be a tool in your kingdom. Just allow them to be able to experience a little bit of your great goodness and your great grace that you have had with all of us. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you're doing right now. And thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.